0: Hey, you guys, I'm excited about today's podcast because we get to do a Q&A. I love when we get to do Q&As. If it was up to me, we do a Q&A every single week because you guys send in so many questions and it's just fun to see what you guys are thinking and kind of popcorn these answers. Um, don't worry, that's not what we're going to do every single week, but that's what we get to do today. So if you guys enjoy this episode and you're watching on YouTube, if you click the subscribe button and give it a thumbs up, it's fun to see our podcast channel growing. We love that. And also thank you guys so much for the ratings and reviews on iTunes for the audio version of this podcast. That means so much to us. And we just want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to do that. But now that we're a family podcast,
1: you are chomping at the bit, so to speak for this episode.
0: Well, yeah, I I'm don't curious. know why I'm excited. We just have tons and tons of questions we haven't answered. And as I was scrolling through these, I don't want you guys to think I'm getting my, like, d- don't get your hopes up. Like, this is going to be a great episode.
1: Wow. It's okay. just as
0: I look through the questions, it's not like there's any big ones I want to answer. I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, it makes you think.
1: Yeah. Are you going to start? You want me to start?
0: Yeah. Why don't you start?
1: Okay. This was kind of a fun one. Okay. Your top three favorite week night dinners. Weeknight meals
0: well, maybe i should ask you what your top three favorite weeknight meals are sure you say one i'll say a couple
1: okay i, I think they are different in the winter in the summer because our house does get a little bit warm in the summer days and so i think we're less likely to do some of those cozy comfort meals um yeah so, we
0: don't have ac so we'd like to keep the oven off
1: exactly so like taco salad is one of my favorite in the summer there's one nice there you go
0: that's good in the winter i would say. I have this roast that I do that's really, really good. And I love to put that in the crock pot when we go skiing and we come home to that roast and it's so, so yummy.
1: Yeah. And I'll say two, and these would be, I would probably consider these more rainy day or cold weather meals. One is that tortellini soup with the sausage. That's really good. I (laughs) like that one, especially when you make those biscuits with it. Oh, that's so good. And then the other one is that, um, it's like that Thai chicken uh, soup on the noodles. Do You know what I'm talking about?
0: Oh, yeah. And you put like Thai chicken chili. curry and then yes. you put like cashews and lime, exactly. cilantro and red chili flakes.
1: It's another fun cold weather meal.
0: You're right. Like. I'm excited for cold weather meals. I feel like we're kind of burnt out on the on the hot meals that we've had in rotation. But I mean like go-to meals are hamburgers and tacos and sourdough pizzas.
1: Yes. Love those.
0: Okay, so this one says, this person asks, when kids ask why they are not in kindergarten or school, what is your answer? And I think they definitely have asked that. And I say, because mommy loves to teach you, and I don't want you to be away from me all day long. I'd really miss you guys. And they seem to like that answer, and it's true. (laughs) I don't want my kids gone from me all day, and I do love to teach them, and I love being um, the soul, like, you know, being able to run everything by Elisha and pray about it and feel confident about what we're teaching them and not handing that over to someone else.
1: Yeah. It's such a gift and a privilege to be able to homeschool. I know you can't do that in every country. Yeah, And so to be able to take advantage of that opportunity that we have here in the U S just seems like a no brainer uh, if you're able to do that. And it is just a gift. And so I think my parents always gave me that pause, that type of answer it was cause they wanted, like they wanted to, they preferred able to be with us and they felt very capable of giving us a great education and setting us up for a successful life and yeah i want to give that same answer to my kiddos i think as time goes on they'll see some more of the theological implications to this decision and why we've decided to bring them up and then in a very intentional nurture and admonition of the lord and have their education saturated in god's word and being able to approach literature whether it's you know secular or, or not secular literature from a biblical perspective and to be able to approach the sciences from a biblical perspective and a christian perspective and of course there are christian schools that can offer that same type of um education but something that you can't control even in, in private schools is the influence the other the influence of the other children that, that you're that you're putting your kids around? So there might be a great curriculum, great teachers, highly qualified, great you know great education, but then the, the kids the time that your kids are spending with those other kids and what are they showing them on their phones and what is going on in those kids' homes that they're then bringing into the school it kind of gets outside of your control and um and so I think that those things our kids will learn later on. But right now I love that positive answer. like are you kidding me because we love being with you love homeschooling you. yeah
0: and I just feel like yeah like you said it's outside of your control obviously as we let our children go outside of our home we want things to be more and more outside of our control but at the ages that they're at right now we want to be screening everything Mm -hmm. for our children and so we just don't feel comfortable handing anything over um yeah, okay. So what's another question?
1: This is just kind of fun, okay? It's kind of along the same lines. What is one of your favorite things about being a stay-at-home mom and what is one of the hardest things about being a stay-at-home mom?
0: Okay. So, one of my favorite things is definitely teaching my kids because yeah. whenever they learn something new, I get to be there for it and I love it. I have a lot of vicarious fulfillment. I tell Elisha this um, from my kids achieving things. And I don't I, I don't think I push them too hard. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, but I, I greatly enjoy seeing them accomplish new things. That's very rewarding and fulfilling for me. And seeing them get excited about what they can do. And then one of the hardest things about being a stay-at-home mom. Um, oh my goodness, Elisha. I love all of it. Probably... I mean, mornings when I'm tired and like on a weekend and it would be fun if Elisha and I could stay in bed and like just hang out and have a slow morning. Uh, But, you know, the house is up and popping. And so one of us gets up. And so we trade off getting up with the kids on weekends and letting the other person sleep in. Uh, but it does make it very sweet when we get to get a night away and it feels very vacationy when we just get to lay in the lay in bed in the morning so
1: yeah you're right i like
0: that a lot <laughs> that's probably just a parent in general but
1: <laughs> yeah you're yeah yeah you're right that is one of those things that is hard to i'm sure people have figured out especially since we cuz we actually used to put like shows on for our kids yeah last year yeah. that
0: was like a big thing we would do. I don't know if people if the mic's going to pick up you hitting the chair I'm oh, sorry the time. about that. Kinda I don't like know. my
1: nervous my nervous twitch over here.
0: <laughs> okay, so I have one. Go for it. And it says I know I talked that whole time though. Well, so, I
1: kind of asked it to you. So
0: I'll ask you this one. Oh. Um, why do you no longer go to a home church and how does your family feel about this? Do na
1: I mean, the primary reason we don't go to a home church anymore is cuz when we moved to North Idaho, Well, I I should say when we moved from Bend, that was the last home church we were a part of. We weren't really moving to an area that we were aware of any home church gathering that we would want to like proactively join. And so it just made sense for us to go to church initially where my family attends and where they do church. And then, um, then we ended up finding a, a different church that actually some of my siblings went to as well that, and we went there and then when we moved to North Idaho, same thing. So we just didn't know anybody, um, Doing the home church, thing. we never had. We, I guess we never had a stark conviction against like the non-home church gathering. No, and we so, don't
0: have a conviction that like church should be in home at all. Yeah. So
1: so that made it really easy to find a church that met in a building with like an elder board and a head pastor that we loved and join them. So yeah.
0: And like, what does our family think about it? Our family loves our church. It's the same thing for our family. Home church was never a conviction. Uh, for either of our families, it just has so happened to be at different points of our life, a great church and um, body to be a part of. But that's it. It was kind of irrelevant to us, whether they met in a building or a home building. Yeah. So, there anyways.
1: you go. OK, ready for this one? Yeah. This is another serious one.
0: OK, let's hear it.
1: Do you do anything when your kiddos lose a tooth? <laughs> Honestly, uh, this is know. funny. Yeah, we actually don't.
0: Uh, tooth Fairy Teresa does, though.
1: Yes. This is one of those ways that we're subtly lying to our children. No, we aren't. They I'm know. Teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't propagate the whole Tooth Fairy coming and delivering a, a, a reward for their tooth. Well, we kind of tease about we, it. We
0: joke about we it. We joke about they it. We go, no, it's Daddy and Mama. And we go, do you know it's Daddy and Mama? I mean, they know it's us, obviously. But
1: My handwriting is pretty... Specific, it's pretty. It's hard to hide who's writing the notes. But yeah, so Leon's the only one that's been losing teeth, right? Lucy's lost. Oh, Lucy's lost too. Okay, I guess I didn't write her notes. I've only written notes to Leon given him this is the thing sometimes our kids get lucky because we'll be digging around <laughs> for quarters or any loose change and we won't be able to find it and they'll wake up with like a five dollar bill under their their pillow and then the next tooth they wake up with a quarter so they we really keep them on their toes
0: yeah <laughs> they also don't have like a super great concept of money at this point right now like a, a bill like cash is cash and a coin is a coin mm-hmm. um leon's starting to you know he can count money and stuff like that but the other kids, they're just stoked to have something to put into their piggy bank. So we don't have a specific set amount of money. Tooth Fairy Teresa always delivers, um, the note with the cash and Elisha started it or the money. And Elisha started the Tooth Fairy Teresa thing and just wrote this long old, uh, story. Basically we write them little stories about what Tooth Fairy Teresa has been up to and how she's proud of the kids and what they've, recently accomplished and who she hopes that they're going to grow into being. And it's this real like
1: <laughs> exhortation <laughs>
0: Exhortation from Tooth Fairy Teresa. Uh, she was late with Leon's last tooth and she couldn't arrive for three nights because she forgot. And so we, we were feeling pretty bad about that. But Leon was happy, happy to see that the reason Tooth Fairy Teresa couldn't Fly all the way to give him his money was because her and Tooth Fairy Tom had had a baby, and there was a picture of their little baby. So,
1: <laughs> are you sure you don't believe in Tooth Fairy Teresa? You sound very like she's like your mentor, <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's our invisible friend. It's a fun little joke. We really want. admire that, yeah. <laughs> that lady. <laughs> it kind of parallels our own life if you haven't noticed.
1: Men, the growth initiative is now open for enrollment. The Growth Initiative is a six-week live coaching program for men that are looking to grow in areas of parenthood, in areas of provision, in areas of health, in areas of financial freedom and well-being, really in areas of life that matter most to you. When I look at my life and I think of my faith, my marriage, my my parenting, my physical health, my financial growth and and ability to provide for my family, I know that in order to see growth in those areas, I've got to have a systematic approach approach to it. So when I look at my ideals and my dreams, those are only good to me if I'm able to break down an actionable plan that I can then execute. And that's what the growth initiative is all about. Customizing your actionable plan to see growth in the areas of life that matter most to you. So if you're a Christian man and you're a husband and you're a father and you want to grow in those areas of life that I already referred to, hop on over, I'll link it below, and you'll be able to find a timeline that works for you. Like I said, this is a live coaching program six weeks long with live calls each week, along with tools and resources to help you up your game in those areas that matter most to you. And you can enroll in whatever time session, whatever time session, whatever session works for you time-wise.
0: Anyways, okay, Um, here's one that is serious, Mm. Uh, made me smile. It says, do you think we are currently, don't, don't answer, okay. Don't answer this in depth, Elisha. Do you currently think we are in the end times? Wow. Yes or no?
1: Uh, No. I mean... No, there you go. Next question. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it'd be awesome if we were, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, here's... We don't think we currently are.
1: This is... I think this is a great question because I think this is something, it's a mindset thing. And um, this is com- this is combating the good. In- let's, let's see. I'll try to f- phrase this.
0: Combating the good. Sorry. I like where this one's going.
1: I think it's, I'll say it and then maybe we'll kind of like, it's not, it wasn't phrased like a question. Okay. So okay. combating the, in quotations, never good enough mentality regarding our idealism plus our reality. Okay. So how do we combat living, in that gap between our reality and our ideal and it never feeling good enough.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think you should speak to this because we were literally <laughs> just talking about this last week.
1: Yeah. The reality is, is that that gap is always going to be there regardless of how rapid you grow or what levels of success you achieve. And so l- this is a great question because that never good enough in quotation marks is what needs to b- not be removed from your vocabulary. It's bizarre how we've hit goals that we set five years ago. And what do we have now? We've got bigger goals. We've got bigger ambition. We've got things that we we want to accomplish in our life. And our tendency as humans is to live constantly in what Dan Sullivan calls the gap, the gap between where you currently are and and your ideal, your goals, that horizon. And it can be a really discouraging thing to hear that all oh, the horizon is always moving. Like I grow my income by 20%, but then now I realize that in order to have the quality of life that I actually want with my kids or to take them on the trips I want to have, I need to grow another 20%. And it's always, always out in front of you, or I wanted to hit this level in my fitness and I hit it, but now I want to, I want to be there. and and that's just a really discouraging place to live. And it's not one living from a place of gratitude, which even as Christians, even yeah, as Christians, that is one of the paramount characteristics of a Christian is living from a place of thankfulness and gratitude for all that Christ has accomplished on our behalf spiritually, the salvation that He's done for us um, and he's he's accomplished for us but then all the material things every single breath and every you know particle that we ever encounter here in this world is held together by him and created by him and for his glory and so i think we should live from a place of gratitude all the time in that but then when you personalize it you're like yeah but i've got personal goals right i've got things that i want to achieve in my life you and this is something that again your father speaks to a lot is you've got to learn to live in the gain and so The gap in the gain, once again, a concept developed by Dan Sullivan, is instead of measuring the distance between where you're at and where you want to be and just dwelling on that living right there, you have to measure backwards. You have to measure the progress that you have already made, whether that is maybe it's not monetary yet. But you have made progress in your schooling or in the foundation of building a new business or in, you know, expanding your work experience so that you will someday be able to grow your income. But you got to measure that progress and then live in that space, live in that space of measuring the gain. You're like, look at the gain. Look where we were three years ago. Look where we were three months ago. Wow, God, so good. And when you get to live there, then you live in a place of thankfulness, of gratefulness and of optimism for the future. And you're actually able to grow way faster than you would if you just looked at the gap, the gap between where you are and where you want to be.
0: Yeah. And that's where we're the most content too, because we can't help that horizon continually moving. You know, the heart of man is never satisfied. And obviously we can we can be satisfied in Christ, but there's this natural part of us where we are it's all about the journey, and we're supposed to continue journeying. And I think that's why the horizon continues moving because we aren't supposed to be in this state of just staying the same. We're either going backward, forwards or we're going backwards. And so we should really consider it a blessing. That our goals continue to grow, that our desires continue to grow, and always stay out in front of us because that forces continued growth. But we can be very content while we're growing as long as we're just measuring backwards. Um, and that really keeps us content on the journey. So,
1: yeah, and this applies to every area of life. That you can become discouraged with your child training, with your kiddos. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh boy, I, w- I have this ideal, this goal, or the horizon of them all keeping their hair combed and sitting in a straight row at church and, you know, not, you know, annoying one another or stealing each other's crayons. Uh, And you just see the gap of where they're at and where they want to be versus looking at where you've come from. Like just the fact that you have kiddos and they're alive is something to celebrate. And you're like, wow, what a gift. Look at that gain that we have kids that last year were four years old. Now they're five, (laughs) you know, and you gotta, you gotta measure that. And that's one more thing too, that you talked about Katie a while back you're reading a book about different cultures that really value their elders and they respect their elders and it's for just the sole purpose that they've been there and done it. It's like, Oh, were they successful? It's like, that's not, we're not asking that question. Like, yeah, there's various levels of respect that you give for somebody that's, you know, been that's raised as children to love and honor the Lord. You, you respect that and you honor that um, or that's succeeded on a level, you know, in their career. But just by living they've done something that you've not done and you can respect that. And so I think as humans, we can use that, apply that to like our own situation be like, Hey, we've ca- like we lived the last six months, you know, we experienced new things and you can count that as a win.
0: Yeah. I like that perspective a lot. This person asked, um, how does Katie get her reading time at the park? I'm the mom forever helping my kids. Well, your kids are very lucky to have you. Uh, as their mother. Yeah. So how do I get my reading time in? Okay, first of all, we go to a park where there aren't very many people at all. Because, I mean, we have some parks downtown. If we go there, Elisha and I are circling mm. those things like crazy because there's just kids everywhere. There's It's not a very closed off environment. It just seems like a great place for a child snatcher to come and pick up a child. Yes. So, There are parks where we are high alert and there is no multitasking going on. Hmm. We have a couple neighborhood parks where we will be the only people at the park or there will just be a couple kids there at the park. And so it's very easy for me to hear everything that's going on, see everything that's going on um, very close right there. Yes. Uh, So that's, first of all, I just, I don't want you guys to get the wrong impression that like you know, I'm just zoning out in this very public space. Um, but then when it comes to helping our kids, I heard something that someone said when it came to climbing and I thought it was a great concept. And that is if you can't climb, like if you need help on something, then you probably can't handle being on it. So like you won't be able to climb down or it's just too advanced for you. So once you can climb up, then you can do it, and so I think I kind of have that perspective at the park, which is if you can't do it on your own, then don't do it. It no. wasn't it wasn't meant for you. Uh, the only thing that's different where I like make that exception are swings because obviously kids need to be pushed for a while before they learn to pump, but I we do that a lot too where it's like oh you don't know how to pump. And so you can't be on the swing. (laughs) Yeah,
1: like you pick and choose your times when you're willing to push them.
0: Yes, exactly. But it's not, if they want to be pushed all the time, every time we go to the park, it's like, no, sometimes mommy does that, sometimes she doesn't. Once you learn how to pump, then you can have complete control over every time that you get on the swing. And like, yes, I'll help you up, but you're going to entertain yourself once you're on there. So um, that can lead to our kids also having a lot of risky play at the park because they can climb up on things that maybe weren't supposed to be climbed up on but because they can get up they can also get down and i'm comfortable with that Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just kind of like a rule of thumb i guess i live by at parks is if you can do it then you can do it and if you can't uh, figure out how to do it
1: yeah (laughs) and that goes our
0: kids are very independent at parks from like a year and a half they're like falling up on yeah
1: playing we're always aware of where they're at and who else is around like you said i think you do a really good job of picking parks that are have lower traffic right there they feel very safe and contained um and then also you go at times that are less busy because we're homeschooling our kiddos you can find those times in the day where most kids are at daycare or they're at school and you have your park time being during those during those hours
0: Anyway, so that's kind of a long answer, but that's how we handle parks.
1: Yeah, this is kind of another question along those lines, and, and that's how do you instill confidence in your kids? Leon always looks so confident.
0: <laughs> Leon is always so confident. <laughs> he is an, uh, he is a firstborn, and I do think that they come with a little extra natural boost of confidence because by nature, they were born first, so they are better than all the siblings that mm. come behind um, at young ages, you know, as they get older, they start to pass each other up in certain things. What would you say?
1: Yeah. It's been really interesting because your, you know, your dad's talked about even authoring a book called how to raise confident kids, I think, or something like yeah. this. Uh, so he, he's valued this for a long time and it's something that he's wanted to instill in his kids. And that is confidence. I think my parents were less thoughtful about that. They didn't, they didn't prioritize it as much. And so it wasn't a, as much a part of our family culture. And so it's kind of interesting seeing the, you know, the fusing of the two as it goes, when you start your own family, my family culture and your family culture. Cause I think that instinctually you naturally instill a lot of confidence into our kiddos because of how you were parented and what your parents how they spoke to you and how they equipped you and kind of empowered you in different situations and i do think and everybody knows how much i love my parents i'm so grateful for them but i did experience a lot of seasons of lack lacking a ton of confidence and so i think on some hand a little bit out of reaction to those seasons i've wanted to be more proactive and in instilling and i can't put that on my parents obviously it's on you know, not having confidence, but I just want to do what I can as a parent to instill confidence in my kids from the time that they're young. And so I think that we are conscientious in our language in letting them know that they are equipped, they're capable. Um, of course, you don't want your kids to become prideful, right? And to become full of themselves. And I think that aunt, they might take heed unless you think you stand. Like we, I, we always want to be equipping our kids with good theology as well as good physical capabilities, right? And good mindsets. Um, and so, yeah, but while they're young, we just, I think we just have a very like go-forward attitude. And we really, really celebrate new accomplishments. Like we celebrate big time, the kids sending it. And and, and whether, whether they crash or whether they, you know, succeed, we get pumped that they try. Yeah,
0: whenever they take a risk or they put effort into something. And I think when it comes to our kids, what, what breeds confidence is capability. So if your child has no capability, that's where often insecurity comes in. And so I think something that we just are very intentional and proactive about is giving our kids capabilities. And, you know, I throw around the term independence, but really it's just You're capable. You're capable of dressing yourself. You're capable of helping your younger sibling if you'd like to do that. Um, You're capable of jumping on a trampoline. You're capable of writing your name in cursive. You know, all these little things are capabilities that are building into their confidence Hmm. and who they are. And then the other thing, a big part of confidence, too, though, is you need this fear factor you need to take a risk you need to get outside your comfort zone because if you just keep doing capabilities inside your comfort zone this is true for any human life then you start to get insecure because everything looks really hard you haven't gone outside your comfort zone in a long time and so it looks really scary and kids naturally have to push themselves outside their comfort zone a lot just physically and mentally and i think as adults we have more the luxury, unfortunately, of not needing Mm. to do that. Mm. And so we have to choose to do that for ourselves. But I think that that's something that we are um, just as a family constantly trying to do is be like, are we getting comfortable? We need to get uncomfortable again. We need to take a new risk. We need to grow in a new capability. And that brings confidence. Yeah,
1: that's good. Uh, I think I asked that one.
0: Well, it's okay. You, You have another one? No, do you? Yes. Go for it. When the Bible says... Okay, this is just off the top of my head. <laughs> I probably shouldn't do that when I'm trying to explain what the Bible says. But okay, the two become one. So this is in air quotes. You know, it's referring to where Scripture says that when two people get married, they become one flesh. Um, what does that mean in terms of sin? And I don't know what a. I don't know what you would say to this. I think I would say in terms of sin, when it's like two becoming one, I think you feel the other person's sin. Like it affects, it affects oh, yeah. the one unit that you have. It doesn't mean that the other person physically sinned with you hmm. necessarily, but you know, when Elisha sins, it hurts both of us. When I sin, it hurts both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you would say to that, but that's what I thought when I saw the question.
1: Yeah. It's hard to know like who is attributed that sin. Is that like, like who is, who's is that sin counted towards, you know? And I think if you're asking that question, then you really need to embrace the full gospel of that. It, we are, we, well, there are so many sins that c- should be attributed to us that have been attributed to Christ and on our behalf, which is so, so powerful. Um, and then another thing is in, in handling that, cause I think this person might've asked a question on how to handle that. I can't oh, remember I if don't they, know. they asked that question, but I do think that you still use the, like with a, with a spouse that is in unrepentant sin, that they are in continuous sin. Oh yeah,
0: okay, I'll just read it so we all know. Is it the same person? About. Yeah, it is. What is your responsibility as a spouse when your uh significant other is sinning?
1: Is sinning. So, I'm guessing unrepentant. Yeah. Con- con- habitual sin. Because I mean, if you if you think that your spouse is never going to sin, then you're wrong, and if you think you're never going to sin, then you're wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And so sin is going to come up in your marriage, and there needs to be repentance, there needs to be th- the seeking forgiveness. From the spouse in that because like you said it affects the other person now unrepentant sin or somebody living in sin and arguing that it's not sin you know being like oh, this isn't that big of a deal you know I can you know I, it's just a little bit of pornography here and there you know like that it's just not that big of a deal that's that's unrepentant you know habitual sin and I think that that's where you do follow the biblical procedure of going to them and then going with a fellow Christian and then, what is it? The third time that you bring him before the church, or that you know that you go before the church, and and you're able to address that. And it's crazy because after that third time, I believe we'll, we'll post the passage below. You're supposed; they're not supposed to be in fellowship anymore with the church. And what do you do? You know, you're supposed to be treated as an unbeliever. What do you do with an unbeliever? You know, you you preach the gospel to them. And so, I think that as a spouse, you have to take that mindset. Of okay, I this person needs to understand the gospel. They need to be saved. They need to know the power of Christ and the power of His forgiveness. Um, so I mean, again, th- the level of that sin—it's like everybody's going to be falling short in some way, and some sins are different. Like I don't know if this is a guy or a girl writing the question. Did she say? Did she say husband or? No. She, her, her, yeah. No and because it's so easy to to point to the sin of another always and Mm -hmm. and our culture has done a really good job of making some sins seem way more like important than others Mm -hmm. and let some and let a lot of other sins just kind of go like well that's not really that it's kind of like a JV junior varsity sin and of course that's I don't think the case according according to the Bible you know Um, and so anyways acknowledging your own sin being like oh man I need grace for my spouse I think is important and then walking through that that biblical mandate for church discipline.
0: Yeah, do you have another question?
1: Yeah. No more comments on that?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I didn't I didn't see the first one. I was just going to answer the second one.
1: Got it. Okay, do you believe in dating apps?
0: <laughs> I don't know if I believe in dating apps, it's not like part of my doctrine, but
1: Do you believe in their existence?
0: <laughs> I believe they exist. Uh, some people very close to me, um, use them and I don't think there's anything wrong about using them. Do I think like sometimes they work out? Yeah. Do I think a lot of times it's kind of defeating and like a bummer and I've seen people get really bummed out using them? Yeah. But that's just kind of navigating the space of life being single. You know, it's just tough being single and it's tough, like (laughs) seeing someone's profile online and thinking they're a great person and then meeting them in person and being like, what a dud, you know? And so obviously there's a lot of that because you can really posture online. And so you're just going to have to go, go through a lot of like probably meeting duds in order to find a great person. But do I think it's wrong? No, I just think it takes a lot of energy. Yeah. But it's just hard to find a spouse. I don't know. I don't think you need to be restricted to your local demographic either. Like back when I was, you know, dating, it was mainly Facebook where you'd meet, you know, like-minded friends or, you know, you'd click on the little picture and you could see everyone that was tagged. Mm And um, I went out on a couple dates with guys that I met that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be a great place to meet like-minded people like the online world. Yeah. I
1: don't know why you wouldn't util- utilize that resource. You know, there if you, you are, <laughs> if you are single and you're desiring to meet somebody. And obviously uh, that, some
0: are more just like hookup apps and w- some are more like legitimate long-term relationship sure. apps.
1: Yeah. You yeah. Know? So obviously be wise in which apps you're using. Yes. Um, but yeah, why wouldn't you use those resources? You know, if you want to find somebody, shall I go again?
0: Yeah. Did I do that one? Or well, you I, did I that asked one? that one. <laughs> Okay. I think you're stumbling over just... there. <laughs> okay. Let's see.
1: All, do, do you ever, all this answers? There's a couple questions about this. Okay. Uh, did you ever date long distance? If so, tips, please.
0: Oh, man. Dating long distance? Yes, we did. Yeah, you. We did for.
1: No, you're right. Yeah, you stayed on the other side of the table for a couple of dinners. <laughs> oh, my word. No. Stop. <laughs> no.
0: um, we did so. The first time we aren't talking about the first time we talked. Kate, okay, the second time when we were actually dating, Elisha and I lived in the same town for a couple months of it, and then for a few, a couple months of it, we were long distance. Yeah. December, January, February, maybe three months we were long distance. Yeah. And I don't know. We, I feel like there's
1: a lot of opportunity with long distance. There is. Yeah. It, it's. I, I don't think it's ideal, but it can. Lead. Uh, here's the thing. I think you and I had way more hard, annoying conversations because we were long distance than we would have had, had if we were in, you know, in the same town. You're so right. Uh, and so I think that was beneficial. Is is when you're just on the phone and you're not doing activities together and there's not the physical component of the relationship, then you're forced to address a lot of things that you maybe otherwise would not if you were just always in person having fun. And so I think that that was actually helpful for our marriage. Like it did make the dating less enjoyable. But we've said this time and time again on this podcast, like marriage was a blast. Mm-hmm. Like from, from day one of our marriage, it was like a relief from dating and engagement. <laughs> it, and people are always like, oh, is that first year hard? You know, the first year so hard. And it's like, no, dating was hard and engagement was really was really challenging. And so um, I think a lot of that was because of just like the... We had a lot of knock them, knock them down, drag them out. What is it?
0: Yeah, knock down, drag out yeah. conversations. Yeah,
1: over the phone that were just not fun. They were work.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think it was helpful long term.
0: Yeah, it really helps improve your communication.
1: But then at the, on the so. flip side, if it's only long distance, I think there can be a um, this... This you think that you think that you're connected because you're able to connect on all these big conversations. You're like, wow, we agree theologically, we agree with our philosophy and our ideals for life. And then that tension in person, you're like, wow, this isn't like I thought we talked about this. Like, why do you respond that way? You know, in like even just seeing how like the person that you're dating interacts with the server at the restaurant, kind of like, what the heck? Like, you don't get to see that over the phone or long distance, right?
0: Well, yeah, you don't see like. If it rubs you wrong when you're around each other for four or five hours, we're like over the phone, you were just flirting and it was all fun. Elisha and I did have not each other, but we both had long distance relationships. So we're primarily long distance. Yes. And that, at least in my experience, you, I thought I, you know, liked the person But then in person, there were just some huge things that were lacking Hmm. that I just was unaware of because I sold myself this like fairy tale in my head Hmm. that was because I I wasn't based in reality. It was just online. Got it. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think similar to me where it's like, yeah, it seems so easy and good over the phone online and then just the like the mechanics of living life, you Mm -hmm. know, all of a sudden it's like you're waiting for somebody like to get ready, you know, and you're out in the car and you're like, why? Like all of a sudden those little things that you don't get to experience unless you are doing things in person, start, it, it can reveal a lot more about how you actually click and what that and, dynamic okay. is.
0: One more thing. You really want to see the person in person around their family, around their friends, and likewise have them around your family no and doubt. your friends and have other people looking into the conver- into the relationship. Cause that's something that the online world, you can really be ice. It can really be isolating, and mm. you don't get a good grounding of what's that person like in real life, in their sphere or yours, and you don't get other people's advice. Mm. We had a little too much advice, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, overall, overall, it was all good. So, anyways,
1: that's a good point because yeah, you
0: kind of want both.
1: And somebody that can be really comfortable talking on the phone or FaceTiming or writing text messages and they seem like they wax, you know, eloquent, is that how you say it? Yeah. Waxing eloquent. And then they get in person and it's like your, your mom or your dad, ask them a question and they just give one word answers and you'd be like, what the heck? Like, why didn't you answer that the same way? <laughs> yeah. You know, you answered me. Come on.
0: What's your deal? okay. Someone asked about, um, I, I saw it earlier and I can't find it right now. But what are Katie's intermittent fasting resources for pregnant women? Yes. So I have no intermittent fasting resources for pregnant women. Okay. No one's going to recommend that you do this. So you really have to just be wise um, as far as you need to know the health of your body. You need to know what's a healthy weight gain for you so that you can make sure that you aren't stalling weight that you should be gaining. You need to be like in contact with your midwife or your healthcare provider and making sure that um, when they're testing your blood and all that stuff, you have good minerals and good nutrients and you aren't lacking in anything, that your thyroid's doing good, that um, the baby's heartbeat is always healthy and is not sluggish, you know. So you kind of have to monitor it yourself. Um, As far as resources that are just great in general, there's two books I would recommend. Uh, One is Fast Like a Girl. I'll link that down below. And the other one, I forget the whole title, but it's, I think it's called The Glucose Goddess. Um, The Glucose Goddess is this gal on Instagram, and she's just great follow, both of those authors. And I found other people through them and uh, just listened all I could and then just applied what I could to my pregnancy while making sure everything stayed healthy. Nice. Um, So yeah, that's that's what I would say.
1: Good. Yeah. You're an inspiration with all that. That's good. That's that's improved the quality of our overall home life, which I'm grateful for. Okay.
0: Real quick. Okay. One more thing because I saw this too. Am I still intermittent fasting, breastfeeding? And I stopped for three weeks just to establish my milk supply and all that. And I'm still not doing 16 hour fasts, but I am doing 14 to 15 hour fasts daily. Now I'm five weeks postpartum. My I've done it for two weeks. My milk's really strong and I'm just going to pay attention to see how my milk is. And, and, um, you know, again, kind of monitor myself, but it's, it's been a good thing. Awesome. Postpartum too. Yeah Now over question, to you.
1: this next question, what do your kids do each week when you're recording the podcast?
0: That's a great question. Well, they're just back at home. No. Making pancakes. Yeah.
1: So every Monday, we've got a babysitter for three hours. Adelaide. She's awesome. And, and talk about a gift. I think we met Adelaide within a few weeks of moving to North Idaho. And that has been such a blessing to our home.
0: Yeah. I put out a plea on Instagram for a babysitter mm-hmm. and met a friend. A, a really good friend had a friend. Yes. And that friend had a, how old was she? 15-year-old daughter who's just incredible and started with us when we had three children Mm -hmm. and now she's home with five of them, just handles them like a champ.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's so cool. We're so grateful for that. So every Monday, yeah, that's the, that's the one time in the week that we have a babysitter. And so we try to do the YouTube video and the podcast and then still have enough time to like go get a quick bite to eat kind of like a little date, uh, before we go out, before we go home, I mean, um, and then oftentimes, well, before we had Lionel, she would stay for an extra hour sometimes, so that we could go out to dinner. To now have that a longer dinner, yeah, and we'd have a longer dinner. Now that we're on, we've got a nursing baby. It's like it's a three hour minimum, uh, maximum. Like that's we got to cut it off then. Um, and that's another thing people ask, you know, about how we can find a babysitter. You know, how we find a babysitter, and that I, you just got to use your resources. Start in your church, I think, first and mm-hmm. foremost, put out a request. Most church have churches have somewhat of a communication forum that you can use and put that you know prayer request in, or just that that you know put the request in uh, and then like what you did yeah you just put out a a poll on Instagram just kind of like anybody north idaho recommend and then obviously you've got to do a lot of vetting from that point forward and this was great because we knew somebody that we trusted very well that knew somebody that we were able to meet and then we knew people that went to their church We're like it seems like a great community great family and so um anyways
0: yeah. She was young. I mean, things to look for, like with a young girl too, it's like, who's their boyfriend? Do they have one? Yeah. Is he going to be coming by? Cause you don't want that, yes. you know, or, um, I loved, I just felt so safe with Adelaide right off the bat because we, I left my computer there with my password and was like, Hey, you could turn on a video for the kids because that's what our old babysitter used to do every time she came over. And Adelaide never ever once has used the computer she just plays with the kids Mm. she doesn't have a smartphone she's just cool having her other phone Um, or at at least I don't know what she does now I don't I don't I trust her implicitly with anything she brings into our home at this point but there were just certain things where it was really nice that I could trust her with certain things right Mm. off the bat which was a really big blessing and in times past um with babysitters that we don't know super well, I have had them babysit the children while I am upstairs doing something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and I get to hear the kids interact with them, I get to hear them interact with the kids and do that for two or three times until I feel comfortable with Elisha and I leaving. And also you have a um I wanna say like you have a baseline, like what do they call it when they run tests? You know, you need to know what your baseline is before mm-hmm. you know what your test is. Anyways I have this baseline for how the kids respond when they're there, how the kids respond when they leave, what the children tell me about what happened because I already am aware of all of it. And so then if Elisha and I go on a date and I come home and one of the kids is, you know, if, if something were to happen, I feel like I would have somewhat an idea of something went wrong. Yeah. You know, no doubt. And so that's helpful.
1: It is good. Okay. How about this, Katie? Are you planning on your children going to college
0: Well, we're definitely planning on all of our children getting their bachelor's degree. That does not necessarily entail going to college these days. Um, And especially when our kids are, you know, 18 years old, who knows where we will be technology-wise or where college will be. Yeah,
1: or culture-wise for that matter. Yeah, Yeah. all (laughs) of these
0: things, you know, we're just, so I think we hold very loosely um, the thought of which children might go to a physical location for college. But having them all achieve a bachelor's degree is something that I really want to be a part of our homeschool. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah,
1: I th- I, uh, same thing. And ideally, you know, sooner than what is normal. And I think yeah. that so much of that college work can be done when they're still a high school age, especially when you can do it online from home. So if we're going to be homeschooling, I think at this point our goal is to have a lot of those you know, those last years of high school be college mm-hmm. online. Um, but I, I know that we don't want them to get what would be considered like a typical college experience. Like we don't want them to be going to a four year like university mm-hmm. and the boys being in a fraternity and the girls being in a sorority. Like we don't want any, anything to do with that, um, or anything even resembling that mm-hmm. I think. And so, cause I know there's a lot of like levels to even that experience. And so, yeah, I think that's where we're at with our kiddos now. And that's, I mean, our kids are young, something that we do so we could change our minds, you know, obviously between now and then and a lot, the lots ride. of things could change. But I think something that we do want, we do feel compelled to at this point is to not, uh, limit our, do what we can with the, within our capabilities of giving our kids as many opportunities and options as possible when they are young adults. So I don't want to make a decision for my kid when they're eight, that college doesn't matter and that they're not going like, well, you're, you you do not need college. You can just be an entrepreneur. That's what I did. And, and have that dictate the rest of their schooling. I think it's kind of being a little bit unfair to the kid. Of course, there are going to be things that you can't give your kids every opportunity. So you have to draw the line somewhere, but it does seem like that's one that you can just give them at least the baseline academic opportunity for, uh, of saying like, yeah, I want them to be equipped and capable of excelling in the college space and ideally just having that bachelor's degree knocked out sometime around the time they graduate from high school.
0: Yeah, so I... Graduated with my bachelor's right after I graduated high school. It's a very doable thing to be able to do. And I feel like the bachelor's degree is the new high school diploma. Uh, it doesn't really get you that far, but a high school diploma, you know, obviously we're both entrepreneurial. So we'd love for our children to just think of think in terms of a value add mindset, not a hourly um hourly based mindset, maybe mm-hmm. um, like our sons specifically. But yeah, like, like you said, we don't know what, what they're going to want to go into. And we really want to set the expectation right now for our children that they are getting a bachelor's degree and that can change. But I've seen a lot of parents <laughs> say, okay, college is optional. And then their kids, 15 years old and not having anything better to do with their life and being like, well, I don't want to go to college. You said it was optional. It wasn't really important. I want to drop out and do X, Y, and Z. And so we just want to set the expectation early that like, Hey, you guys are going to be doing school and academics are going to be your primary focus until you're 18 years old. Okay. So we, we have you that, that long with academics Yeah. and then we can, you know, we can change our minds, but I think it's easier to change your mind that way than to sell your kid on like more years of schooling if Later on, Later yeah. On. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I'd rather sell an eight-year-old yes. on this is your academic runway than try to tell a 15 or 16-year-old that wants complete independence that they have two more or three more years of, you know, full-time school. Yeah. So yeah. we'll take it kid by kid, obviously.
1: Yeah. And I think a pro of doing that bachelor's while they're mm-hmm. still at home is you get to navigate with them some of the content that might be a lot more secular and And just less helpful, you know, to their walk as a Christian, you know, if you are dealing with that, ideally you even find a very good Christian university. And then if they choose to continue their education and pursue postgraduate stuff, usually that is far, one, the environment there is far less party heavy. Like the kids there are not in those programs. Yeah, the the kids in those programs, even if they're at the universities, are a lot more serious about just being there for the school, the schooling, I mean, and the the education. Um, And you're dealing with less... um, yeah, like politically charged and morally charged content if you're in a graduate program. If it's in a field, obviously, that doesn't pertain to that, you know? Yeah. If you're in a field that is like overtly, or pursuing a field that is overtly like liberal or, you know.
0: And hopefully our kids are just more grounded at that stage of adulthood too. Yeah. In what they believe.
1: Yeah. Okay. Katie, do you have any more? Yes. Let's hear it.
0: Um, Okay, this person asked what do the kids do while you nurse the newborn so we just did a video on our current like screen free activities that we do Uh, but primarily they read to me they practice their reading we all love that that would be leon and lucy and our six-year-old and five-year-old and then they knit while they sit next to me they practice their piano while i listen to them they play outside at the park while I nurse. They play with Lincoln Logs and mag Tiles on the ground while I nurse. They color pretty much anything. <laughs> like, like it's funny. I would have thought that I would feel restricted nursing or whatnot, but it actually just is a great opportunity that they can have my full attention and we can, you know, learn something together. I can read to them. I can read aloud, you know. You can do a lot of things sitting down, I found. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can live my whole life from the couch if I wanted to. <laughs> so yeah.
1: Whoa. That was it. That was abrupt. <laughs> well,
0: I got a bubble in my throat, Sorry. so I just had to stop immediately.
1: Okay, this is the last question I'm gonna ask. You can ask oh, wow. one okay. after this if you want. Only one though. This okay. is my this but this is my last. Does Katie take all the kids out to run errands weekly or does she wait until Elisha is home so that she can go alone?
0: What would you say? I.
1: It's a little bit of both, but primarily you do as much as you can by you know, ordering groceries. Primarily from his the wife couch. doesn't leave the no. couch. <laughs> no, well, yeah, exactly. You do as much as you can from the couch. <laughs> I would say, I don't know if it's a weekly thing, but you like, I mean, yesterday you took the afternoon on the weekend a lot of times.
0: I think You'll, it's probably twice a month.
1: Twice a month. Like, yeah.
0: I'll get a hankering to get out and I'll be like, hey, could I, you know, run and do some errands by myself? Yesterday I went to our, our health food store that was... You know, it's like got all the specialty items and you just kind of wander around and it's quiet. and So that's fun. I did that. Yeah. Um, sometimes I will I will go to Target or if I need um, clothing, which typically happens probably about like once a year when I have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> now, every once in a while, though, you know, I'll be like, oh, I feel like I'm in a new size. It sounds fun to go get a couple new items. Can I just go try on some clothes by myself?
1: Yeah, we don't like driving around.
0: I hate driving around.
1: Yeah. And so we, so we're either all doing it together, usually, like we load all the kids in and we're going to the lake or we're going whatever on a hike, going to do a hike somewhere. Um, or going to church. Those are the three options. <laughs> and then yeah, most like if there's like a last minute errand that needs to be ran, it's usually me like on yeah. my way home.
0: We have the one car. So usually I'll just like call Elisha and be like, can you grab this or can you stop by here? Yes.
1: Cause I think you, that's, that's the thing is that you don't want to do stuff like you don't
0: No, And the other thing the, is, is like, I really like Elisha and I really like hanging out with him. So if he's going to be home with the kids, then I would rather be home with the kids and him 99% of the time. It's like, Hey, like Elisha will bring up like, Hey, do you want to take the car this afternoon and go do something? I'll do this with the kids. And I'm like, well, can I join you guys? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But <laughs> I feel like that happens. It yes, exactly. And and sometimes you'll take me up on it if you yes, really need I rest. Will. Like you're you're good at managing your energy. I feel like where you're like, okay, I actually do need a nap. Yes, take the kids. Well, yeah. And sometimes
0: then, we'll do that, or like I feel left out. But Elisha takes the kids to the river or something, and I stay home and nap.
1: But yes, yeah, still you're staying home. And then <laughs> with that, once the kids are in bed, neither one of us want to leave the home. We're like, are you kidding me? This is the best. I mean, our house is the best spot ever at any time of the day I think but uh especially I mean especially like the kids are in bed you and I get to hang out I mean I feel I think you feel the same way you like don't want to oh, go yeah. run it's errands very and go grocery or go grocery shopping or something
0: yeah I mean I do everything online basically I do everything I need to do online if I want to do an errand it's optional and I might do it if actually gives me some time to do it. But no, I do not take all of our kids to go do everything. Oh. We did that for a period of time and then like I mean, I get Costco delivered to my house. Like I do not we pick up an Azure order and um yeah, that's just not something I want to spend my time doing. I don't feel like it's very efficient. We live in a suburb, so everything can come to my house. It'll be different when we live further out of town.
1: Yes. Indeed. So. Cool. Do you have a closing question?
0: Um, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of pressure to have a closing question. We could probably just end on that one. Oh, okay. This person asked for a list of all of our winter weather gear. And I think we'll link the video down below where all that is linked in the description box because we have a weather video.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we got the snowsuits in that video though. Really? I know we have the rain suits. Well and we have
0: well, Megan listens to this podcast and she's awesome. <laughs> and she will put the snow suit link. In the weather video.
1: Yeah, they're nice. Trust me, those things cost
0: a small fortune. They're expensive, but I will say this our kids fit in them last year. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. They will fit in them again this year. They will fit in them again next year. They actually have these little um, stitches that you can pull out, and the legs and the arms extend, and the body's already super long. So we aren't buying suits every single year no like we're buying zero suits this year i just need a wrap or something for lionel Mm -hmm. so i mean when you say it's an investment they truly are an investment totally agree and they live in them every single day in the winter so well worth it okay and that'll be it for today
1: thank you all so much we love the questions there were a lot of questions this time and we probably answered what 2% 2% of them. There's I a lot don't of know, questions. I
0: know, but it's fun. Thank it you guys. We'd love hearing what you're thinking and and you hear probably too much about what we're thinking, yes. but thanks for being here and listening.
1: We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.